Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition, to win at work, drive your career forwards, and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Munro, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. So hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. My name is Hannah Munro, your host, as usual. And with me today is David Lincoln. So David is the MD of Scope, and he's going to talk to us today about using strengths-based coaching to build a high-performing finance team. So welcome, David. Fantastic to have you on the show. Hi, Hannah. Lovely to be here. Brilliant. So tell us a little bit about Scope, David, and you know how you got involved in, in strengths-based coaching. Yeah, sure. Um, so Strengthscope is, is a, a business founded around the concept of positive psychology. I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Um, fundamentally, what we're there to do is to help people have authentic and honest conversations about themselves. Um, and really, that's that's what our purpose in life is. So we're, we're there to help people um, gain really clear awareness of, of what they are energized by. And that's what, when we talk about strengths, we talk about energy. Uh, it, it's about the things that energize you and it's the things that you're likely to therefore be good at. Um, that's what we're all about. We've got a series of tools that help us do that. But fundamentally, our, our, our mission is to help people understand what, what makes them great and, and what they get energy from. Um, I've been in the business about 15 months now. Um, my background isn't in this field at all. So I've, I've had a career in, in, in retail leadership and management um, project roles, et cetera. Um, and, and this was a, a bit different for me in terms of, you know, a, a bit of a, a bit of a change. Um, I've, I've always been interested in people development and personal development opportunities uh, and actually understanding the strengths approach and, and some of the, the concepts behind positive psychology have helped explain some of the things I do really clearly. Um, definitely helped me understand why I'm energised by some of what I do and um, really brought that home. And, and I suppose brought a number of the things that I like doing into my day to day job, which is really cool doing more of what you love is is what we're all about and that's what I'm able to do in my role absolutely and I think that's a key takeaway for anyone that's listening is that actually by working by making your team enthusiastic and energized by what they do actually that's how you drive performance so if you can get the right people in the right roles doing the right thing that's where you know you end up winning so tell us a little bit about um uh how how we do this so you know a bit about strengths-based coaching yeah, sure. So it's probably worth just as a start point to just explain a little bit more about positive psychology and what we mean by that. So I'm, you know, cards on the table. I'm not a psychologist. Um, my boss, the owner of the business, is is a, a doctor in psychology. He's actually done three different degrees, etc. So he he's the, you know, he's the psychology expert on this. Um, so I'm not going to go into the detail of it, but let me just give you a brief a brief sort of summary. And really, when we talk about positive psychology, we're talking about the study of strengths that enable individuals and communities to thrive. That's fundamentally what it talks about. 
it's, it's also sometimes now talked about the study of human flourishing and well-being. And actually, if you look at, you know, the current challenges we face in the world today, that's probably never been more relevant in terms of how do you help people to, to be the best they can be and and look after themselves and, and you know, more relevant than ever in, in this, this crazy world that we live in right now. So I think it, it's you know it's really relevant at the moment and i guess it's it's founded on beliefs that people want to lead meaningful lives meaningful fulfilling lives um and they want to be able to cultivate the very best within themselves so they want to enhance their experiences of love work and play and again you know that's our concept at strengthscope is you know we don't just talk about work we talk about work and life and we talk about you know bringing the whole experience together the links go back way back into the sort of early 1900s when there was lots of conversation. Uh, a couple of guys started to talk about humanistic psychology and, and and were asking questions about human energy and how humans are energized by things that they're excited by. Maslow then did some work in the 50s. A lot of people will be um, familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So that that's starting to look at the human experience and how humans live their life and what's important and how they get satisfaction from it but really when when we talk about positive psychology as a movement if you like as a, as a real sort of point in time where it started to develop it's martin seligman who who was really the, the father of the positive psychology movement and and he he came into into sort of prominence back in the the late 90s and basically he 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 talked about um a fairly radical view at the time which was that psychology had become far too focused on mental illness so the bad stuff and actually psychology was neglecting what was good in life so you know he had this 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 sort of light bulb moment where you know and he started then doing research on it and and the research was into what makes normal people's lives positive and fulfilling so how how do people become fulfilled in life how do they get excited by things they're doing rather than just saying that person's not very well and mentally there's some challenges here. Actually, how do we help people to be positive about life and, and energized by the things they do? And um, th there's a whole raft of theories and, and, and research around the topic. Uh, there's, there's three particular ones that I've, I've pulled out because I think they're very relevant to the conversation today and particularly to what we do in, in, in a, a adopting a strengths approach with, with businesses that we work with to help people develop. So the first is that flow and mindfulness can help to encourage optimal human functioning. What does that mean? If you're in flow, if you're working in a way that is giving you energy and is making you feel good and, and, and is driving your performance, you're gonna function at a higher level than you would otherwise. It sounds really obvious, but you know, do more of what you love, do the stuff that energizes you. People tend to be happy and resilient. So again, that's a fundamental underlying characteristic that people don't want to be unhappy. People want to be happy. They want to be good and they want to feel good and have resilience about what's going on in life. And, and strong relationship and character strength can help to counter the negative impact of setbacks. So life is such that we come up against setbacks and bad things happen and we, we meet those things. But actually, if you can turn your natural strengths against those negatives, you can you can tackle them much easier uh, and i guess you know those three really fundamentally underpin what we do in the strengths approach at strength scope the other really important thing and, and then I'll, I'll i'll shut up and let you come back at me with some questions because i'm sure you're 
um, the other thing that I, I just wanted to talk about is is the negativity bias, which is really important for people to understand because this is this is a core part of why we do some of the things we do as human beings. Negativity bias is something that was was basically built into us back in the days of cave people, and it was fundamental to our success, and it was all about survival. So you were always looking for the band. You were always looking for the dinosaur that was going to come and eat you. You were looking for, you know, the fire that would get out of control and, and, and engulf your cave. You were looking for the other animals that were going to come and eat you, the saber-toothed tigers, whatever it was. I've probably got all of those animals wrong in terms of time and history, but, hey, let's, let's go with it. And, and, and the fundamentals of the negativity bias are that criticism carries far more weight than compliments, and they also take up more headspace. Um, we tend to glaze over good stuff and we tend to focus on bad stuff. And we tend to spend about 80% of our time worrying about, thinking about, looking at the bad stuff and only 20% of time thinking about or, or considering the good. And, and our, our, our question to people is, what about turning that around? Why not spend 80% talking about the good stuff and the things that are energizing and the things that help? and only spend 20% of the time worrying about the things that don't. And there's a couple of really, really good examples that bring this very vividly to life for people. So the first one I would talk about is, think about the last time you had a work appraisal. So you're sitting in your work appraisal and your boss is sitting there and giving you some great feedback and then drops the bomb of, yeah, but you're not really that great at X. And then finish it up by saying, but you know what, I love what you do with this and you're really helpful in that and everything else. What is it that you go away thinking about from that appraisal? The thing that will bounce around your head for the next week, two weeks, month, maybe even prompt you to leave your role is that one thing that you could do better on. Because we have this negativity bias, we focus on the bad. And the other one that, that really resonates, I don't have children, but for, for those that do, your child comes back from school with their latest report card. And the teacher has written on there, child's done an amazing job. They've got an A in maths, an A in, in, in English, and a C in science. The kid's going to come bouncing in the door. I got an A in maths. I got an A in English. The parent's likely response is, what happened in science? <laughs> that is negativity bias in full flow because innately we're driven to look at the things that are bad rather than saying to the child, do you know what? That's an amazing performance. You've done a sterling job at getting an A in both English and maths. Yes, of course, you have to focus on the bad things because if you don't, they go unchecked. Uh, and, and we would never say don't check on them. What we would say is turn your strengths into ways to tackle those, those performance risks. Uh, and, and the final point on the negativity bias I'll sort of leave with is, is it typically takes three positives to counteract a negative. So if you're having a conversation, deliver three positives and it will then balance the one negative that you deliver and and just as a point which will probably amuse many but in a relationship so with your respective other you need to dial that up to five to one <laughs> the negative is even more apparent when it's somebody that you're that close to so yeah that that's the reality you you've got to you've got to think about the positive to negative relation uh, ratio do you know what? You've come out there with some insanely good points. So I'm actually just going to summarise some of the bits and pull out some of those areas because there was loads. So um, so I think the first point is for us to just really nail down, you know, 
nail down the fact that in this current environment, when everybody's working remotely, the importance of resilience and positive mindset, because, you know, there's so much bad stuff going on around us that actually this is why this, this for me is so critical and why I was so keen to have you on the show to talk about it. And if, um, I also want to pull out, you know, the piece of what you talked about, about Maslow, because I, I think for those that have done any kind of leadership training, you, you know, you will know this, but there's a lot of people that haven't um, understood that. So um, I obviously done a bit with Maslow, but just summarize what Maslow's theories is and why it is important to take into context with the strengths-based and positive psychology approach. Yeah, I, I mean, so so in essence, I, I mean, if 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 anybody wants more detail, just have a look online and search Maslow's theory, and you'll find it. But fundamentally, there's a a, a pyramid that he created, um, where he, he basically broke down the human needs to be happy and satisfied and and to be able to live life, and and there's different. There's slightly different versions of this, but fundamentally at the bottom, underpinning all of this is physiological. So it's the stuff that's really important to you. It's it's the way you're built and you're 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 uh, you're made. You then move into safety, and, and in the current world, this could be job safety. It could be having a place to live. It could be having a home that's yours. You're then into love and belonging. So it's the relationship stuff. It's the it's the the feeling of belonging to a thing or an organization. And again, you know, we, we shouldn't underestimate one of my values is belonging. So I hold that as a personal value. I need to feel part of something that I'm involved with. So I need to feel part of a business to, to be able to really do it justice. I need to be able to feel part of a team and, and feel like I belong. And actually, that's fundamental in that middle tier of Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy. I, I have it as a personal value as well. You're then into esteem. So how do I feel about all this? You know, do, do I feel good about it? Does it give me um, that, that feel-good factor? And then at the top is self-actualization. So what does it mean to me? How do I want to be? But, I mean, look look it up online. You know, there's 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 so much online about Maslow that, that if, if people want more information, there's there's just stacks and stacks of it available. And I think for me, it puts it into context is this, if you walk into a meeting hungry, right, the only thing you can think about is the fact that you're hungry. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter how amazing the content is and how good you feel about being in that meeting. It is very likely, it's very hard for you to focus. And this is when we talk about what, how I think about Maslow is that you need to deal with the physical needs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then shift over to that. And I think that's really important for people to take into account that if your your team are in, a, you know, in a bad physical space that you know, as much as you focus on other things and get them into good mindset, that actually you need to have that balance. So with that with that sort of said, I think it was a really good concept that you were talking about in terms of, man, you know, that this also could be applied to psychology piece and positive psychology it can also be applied to relationships. Because mm. I think sometimes we underestimate as leaders the impact of personal life on, um, on, on how well people perform in the workplace. Yeah. So... And, and and you mentioned that it takes five compliments to override a single negative with personal relationships. Is is that what is there any log, what's the logic behind that? Is it just results of a study? Is there any sort of reasoning behind yeah, it? There's been various studies done on it, and and fundamentally, I mean, the reason there's a difference between the three to one and the five to one is that typically, as human beings, we hold less value from in the comments that those close to us give us. 
and and most people will align to that. So if you're having a conversation um, with your you know with your partner and they're telling you lots of good things, you tend to brush them off. And actually, you know, if if somebody that you know less well at work, for instance, says something really good, which is the same thing really good as your partner's just said, you're likely to hold more sway from it from the person at work because they know you less, and therefore, you know, well, their 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 opinion must hold more more weight because they don't really know me you know me so you're gonna say that you know that's that's what you (laughs) you you would say that because you know we live together um so it's it's a useful point to remember that you know that that negativity bias is inbuilt within us it's not it's not something that's bad or good It, it actually helps us to survive and live life but how can you turn it on its head and use it to your benefit to actually then look at the positive and I guess the, the other thing that I, I just sort of expand upon a bit is, is you, you know, you talked about the, the physical environment and all the rest of it. Really important right now, we've got people working at home. I'm not going to say working from home because I don't think it's, it's a choice. It's an enforced working at home. And the lines between work and home are really blurred right now. So again, understanding the things that energize you, understanding where your strengths are means you can turn to those and use those to, cha- to, to, to tackle the challenges that you face. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's really important. I, I think the, the, other, the other thing, and, and this is a little bit of a product plug, but I guess it's, it's important in terms of the concept of, of, of the rest of the conversation around how we approach strengths. So as I say, we, we talk about strengths as things that energize. So these are the natural qualities that energize. And um, the, the other thing that's really important about this for us is that it's about uniqueness. Um, there are lots of really good assessment models on the, on the market. Many people will be familiar with things like Myers-Briggs or Insights or all of those. And they're all good. Like I'm not going to come on here and, and run down any other assessment provider because they all have value and they all bring awareness of, of you as a human being and what you do. The challenge with many of those is, and, and Myers-Briggs is a great example that most people in, in senior roles in business at some point in time will have done Myers-Briggs. You'll have your, 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 um, your type, your indicator type. What we say is that's okay, but you are you. And the way you do things is unique to you. So we measure 24 strengths. We measure those in four clusters. And those clusters are closely aligned to Myers-Briggs, to be fair. So there is some alignment to it. But what we say is actually your strength profile is unique to you. The likelihood of you having the same seven significant strengths is one in 346,000. And if you take the entire strengths profile of having all of your strengths in exactly the same order as somebody else, it's one in 1.3 billion. And that's what we talk about. So when you're talking about, you know, diversity and inclusion, or you're talking about, you know, project or personal development, we're not we're not wanting to put people in a box. We're not wanting to label you as like this. We're saying you're amazing as you. How can you be you better? How can you use the stuff that's intrinsically you and you're energized by to allow you to deal with the things that you're not as energized by? And that's the fundamentals behind our approach. And in terms of the the impact of that approach, so when somebody is using their strengths effectively, what is the difference to them in terms of performance? 
Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's a it, it's a good link into some of some of the metrics. I've got a few metrics which uh, which which I'll go through, and and these come from a Gallup study actually. So Gallup completed a study on return on investment for strengths based development. I think it's it's probably worth highlighting that you know, as with any model, we would never say just go strengths only. Don't worry about anything else. You know, that's not what we're saying. So. Actually, we, we've got a sort of a, a, a three-circle model where they, they all come together in, in this zone of peak performance in the middle, so the overlapping circles. And, you know, for you to achieve peak performance, you've got to be clear on the organisational goals. So the organisation needs to be clear about its purpose and what it's there to, to achieve. So what's the vision? What's the mission? What's the purpose of what you're doing? That's the first thing. Secondly, skills and knowledge or competence. So again, there is a big difference between strengths and competence. So strengths are natural qualities that are inbuilt within you. Competence can be learned. You can learn skills, you can learn knowledge, and it's a fundamentally important part of peak performance. So again, we're not saying don't worry about skills, don't look at training, et cetera. What we're saying is they are important and, and particularly important actually, where you've got an area that isn't a strength of yours. Uh, and I've got a good example of this. So result focus, is not a, a natural strength area for me, which people get surprised at because I'm a managing director of a business and I've, I've led many teams over time. The reason it's not a strength for me is I hate the last 5%. I'm really bored by it. So I'm as competitive as the next person. I will drive for success in a project, but I get to the nitty gritty of the last bits and it just bores me to tears. I lose interest and that affects my result focus. So what I do is I rely on some of the skills and knowledge that I have to have checking mechanisms. And actually, more importantly, I rely on the strengths of others. So within my team, I've got an amazing project, a program and project manager who is all about the last 5% and will not let us off the hook with not finishing something and completing it. So the, the, the third circle is strengths and energizers. So actually, you combine the, um, the, the organization goals, the skills and competence and the strengths and the bit in the middle where they all overlap is the zone of peak performance. That's where you will get the maximum performance. And, and the study from Gallup, so this was all around um, people who have adopted a strengths-based development program or a strengths-based approach within business. And, and the, the numbers are quite staggering in some cases. So, you know, a, a fairly obvious one is a 73% improvement in engagement. So people are more engaged, 73% more engaged in what they're doing and why they're doing it. So there's this personal satisfaction piece that, that comes with doing more of what you enjoy. Fundamentally, if you give people that, that rush of, I love doing this, they're going to be more satisfied and therefore they're going to engage more. 11% reduction in absenteeism. So because people feel good, because people are happy, they go off sick less. 15% increase in sales. It's about the motivation and the energizing nature of what people are doing. 49% lower turnover in staff. So a reduction in staff churn within your business. 36% increase in productivity. And the biggie, 29% increase in profit. That's wow. A now that's a number, yeah. isn't it? And, and you know, again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here today and say you know, using Strengthscope is going to deliver those numbers, but it will go a long way to helping you with a program to deliver those numbers because it's about giving people the opportunity to do what they love. Absolutely. And I think it's really important what you said earlier. It's about, like you say, the 
the intersection of those three elements, the vision and the strategy, you know, the strategy for you're going to do the competence of your team um, tied in with this amazing, you know, use, usage of strengths and engagement to drive that performance forward. So, um, okay, so th- this all sounds amazing, but from a practical perspective, how do you address, say, challenges with poor performance using yeah. this model? Because that, that's always a challenge, isn't it? Because you need to address those those areas where a person is weak or not delivering what the business yeah. needs. But but like you say, you could be very careful because three, you know, you need three compliments and three areas of you know positive yeah. praise to outweigh the one. Yeah, sure. And, and, and I guess so. What what we also talk about within the, the strengths approach and within our business is is uh, performance risks and, and often performance. Um, issues in a role will come down to performance risks. Two main types of performance risks. One is um, overdrive. So this is where you overuse a strength or you use it at the wrong time or inappropriately. And and the other one is an energy drainer. So uh, a really good example of an energy drainer, if you're in a role where your life is about checking the detail of facts and figures. So you think about a finance team, you will have people whose role is about preparing um, MI reports for the board. Um, and it's really important that the detail of those reports is accurate and that the figures are absolutely spot on. If you have a, a, a low energy bar, an energy drainer in detail orientation, you are going to go home at the end of every day feeling like the world has ended for you. It will drain the life out of you. And ultimately, that is just the way it is for you. That's your that's a non-strength for you. Now, what we would say is, okay, what other strengths can you bring into play that would help you in delivering that? So can you dial up critical thinking? Have you got that as a, a, as a significant seven? Can you use result focus to set yourself a target of when you need to have achieved that by so that you create some energy for yourself around the task at hand? Can you dial up um collaboration and work with somebody else who can help you with that and give you some energy so actually it's about how you approach that and how you can then draw on some of your other strengths to actually help you gain energy from the things that you're naturally not energized by Um, i I mean ultimately with performance you're always going to come back to a series of metrics and if somebody isn't delivering against those metrics you need to challenge that at a performance management level but one of the one of the, the shifts that I would encourage people to do is ask people why that is the case. So you know, and, and particularly, you know, if, if if somebody's completed a strengths assessment, you know, you will be clear on where people's strengths lie. So actually, one of the best questions that we can ask ourselves, and we do this within our team. So part of our monthly um, review process, we we. We measure people against objectives, so we don't measure people against attendance. So it's performance against objective meeting. And we have a series of clear objectives for people, and we talk about how things are going. And there's only three questions that we ask each month, and we then talk about them. So what's gone well? What hasn't gone so well? And how can the strengths of yourself and others help you? Now, that is an incredibly powerful question for individuals to take responsibility for improving their performance. Because what you're saying is, how can you use your natural energy to help you be better at what you do? How can you draw on the things that you're energized by and you're excited by and you get excited about and you you, you get energy from to actually help you do better in your role? And, and, and you know, that, that will never take away if there's a skill gap or a knowledge gap, and that's where those three circles come in, the zone of peak performance. If somebody is not capable of doing the job, 
you know, strengths will only help you so far. If you fun- fundamentally can't do a job, of course, it, it's down the normal performance route. What you can do is look at the strengths to see how you can help somebody to gain that knowledge. So how can you use your strengths to go find the knowledge that you don't have? How can you help them to pick that up? And, that, and that's where the strengths can really come into their own. And uh, one of the things we talk a lot about this on this podcast is all about change and yeah. how you help people engage with change, because that can be quite a scary piece for a lot of people, particularly in finance, because yeah. it's that uncertainty piece. So how do you how can you use strength to help people, cons- um, you know, to engage in change projects or transformation? Yeah, sure. I mean, I suppose it would be remiss of me not to say at the very beginning, the the way you recruit is is fundamental to that. So if you get the right people in at the right time with the right approach, clearly everything else is going to help. So again, I would advocate a strengths-based interviewing approach. Typically, um, you know, businesses use a competency-based interview approach. So they will talk about, have you got the skills to do this? And if so, give me an example where you got that skill. That's okay. What's more interesting is why did that go well? How did it go well? What did you learn about yourself from that? What strengths or skills did you use to achieve that great result? When have you been at your best? Because typically, again, if you can get people to talk about when they've been at their best, it will naturally bring out skills and strengths that they're using in those examples to be able to deliver their very best work. So, again, I, I would always advocate you know, really looking at the recruitment process to make sure that fit for people is absolutely right. And, and you know, you can go to to a full extent of strengths-based interviewing and hiring where you're actually, you know, if so if you're hiring into a, a finance team, for instance, you could complete strength scope assessments across that team and then look at the, the strengths that make that team successful. So what are the common strengths that that team hold And that's likely to give you some indication of the strengths that are going to be useful to somebody coming into that team. It's it's really important because strengths are about energy, not about competence or capability. It doesn't mean that somebody without those strengths can't work well in that team. What it means is they'll have to look at other strength areas to stay energized. So the detail orientation example I gave you earlier on is a really good example of that. If you want someone who's, you know, a big chunk of their role is proofreading and checking numbers and figures and they have low detail orientation, doesn't mean they can't do it. And they may well have built a whole raft of skill examples to help them through that. But it's going to leave them less energy at the end of the day than somebody who is energized by that strength so actually starting to map strengths against roles can be really helpful in in terms of culture change i mean you know one of the biggest challenges of culture change is high engagement so if you don't engage people um, at the very beginning you're going to be on hiding to nothing with a culture change product that project so you know that that's one of the key elements and I, i guess i come back to several points so make sure that the purpose is clear and that comes back to that zone of peak performance if the purpose of this project isn't clear what's the purpose of what we're trying to achieve um and making it clear to people that their work matters within that purpose is really important so how do you use people's strengths to understand what they can bring to a particular project so what strengths do they bring again another Thing that we do in all of our meetings so if we're having a meeting uh, at strength scope about something we've just been working on some new product development 
so a, a new interactive uh, course that we're developing. At the beginning of every meeting, we'll ask the team, what strength are you bringing to this meeting? And it's really powerful because what it does is it helps people to focus on what I personally can give to this project, what I can give to this meeting or this interaction. And at the end, we do a, a strength checkout. Did you bring it? Because otherwise, it's really easy for somebody to sit there and say, I'm going to bring emotional control. OK, what does that look like? At the end of the meeting, well, I sat there and didn't get emotional. Yeah, that's a cop out. Like, what did you bring if you brought strategic mindedness or if you brought critical thinking where did you demonstrate that did you bring courage did you challenge when you thought something wasn't right so helping people to understand that their work is important is really is really key in that and this is all part of that engagement piece um and you know again it, it's a, a lot is often talked about with millennials for instance so the millennial population have have a very strong alignment to this what we do matters and and we've seen a, a big shift in some of the um you know the movements around the world around uh you know um climate change is a good example where you know that that's that's an organization that has engaged across all age groups but is 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 a lot of millennial the millennial population is involved in that actually we we we're of the view that importance of what you do matters to every generation just some are more ex explicitly expressive of that. So actually, it's important to all of your all of your team, and helping them understand that is really key. Um, I think the, the 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 second one is in involving your people. So having your people involved in the culture change project sounds really obvious, and you know how how does that relate to strengths? So as an example, can you do a, a, a team? A, a team view of your strengths to make sure that where the team is coming from gives you the strengths you need to complete that project and if not call it out so you know if you've got a team of people that have zero creativity nobody in the, in the team has a, a creativity strength and yet you're creating new ideas and you're coming up with a load of new funky stuff to create culture change in your business it's going to be really tough like you're going to struggle with that Similarly, if you've only got one person out of a team of 10 that has creativity, recognise that that one person is likely to be called upon for their creative strength. They're likely to be pushing that strength into overdrive at times, and that comes with a performance risk. Um, and similarly, if you've got everybody, so if all 10 members of the team have creativity, you're likely to face a situation where you come up with so many new ideas that none of them actually get done. So really useful way of being able to, to to stay focused on what a team is bringing versus what a team needs to deliver a great result and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go looking for someone with those strengths it just means it's awareness of of that so again at the beginning of a meeting we don't have efficiency as a strength in this group so let's just stay focused on our timelines. And you can you can attack that by having someone with a leading strength who stays focused on the outcome and stays focused on the timeline and stays focused on what needs to be delivered by the end of the meeting. You can have somebody else with a, a critical thinking strength who will say, right, let's break that down into individual bite-sized chunks rather than look at this amazing big project. Break it down into the small pieces. Let's engage that critical thinking strength and dial it up. So you can always tackle a lack of strength or a shortage of strength with the other strengths that you've got just by dialing up some of the others that the team bring in. 
and and also you know empowerment so make your team feel empowered to be able to make the change trust them that's a fundamental of leadership you know you, you you've got to trust the team hold them accountable and again, use some of those strengths-based questions to help them understand why they did what they did when they did it. So if something goes wrong, you know, use some of that strengths-based questioning. And then I guess the final piece, which I would say, get people to play to their strengths. So if you've got people with particular strengths in particular areas, use them because it will energize them more. So if somebody is is you know has a high strength in detail orientation, and that's what you need at this point in the project. Don't be afraid to dial that up with that person and ask them to bring that strength to the team. If you've got a natural leader with a, a natural leading strength, help get them to help take some leadership role in the in in the in the project. Because if they're doing more of those things that energize them, they will naturally do more of it. They will move towards it and they will do it better. So again, it, it sounds really obvious when you're talking about you know use people's strengths, but it, it's it sounds so obvious it gets forgotten. And if you don't know what your team's strengths are, you can't play to them. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point is it's actually a lot of this is around awareness mm. and both on a self perspective. So your awareness of your own strengths, but also your awareness of your team's strengths and where their natural abilities, not that, like you say, not their competence, yeah. not how good they are at using a platform or how good they are at Excel or doing things. It's all about what they are naturally good at and what they're naturally um, energized by. Absolutely. So I guess my final question You've mentioned this a couple of times, but just talk us through the concept of overdrive. So, because you, you know, th there's almost a chance that you can use your strength too much, isn't there, and take it too yeah, totally. too far. Yeah, I, and, and the best example I can give you, if I talk about my my strengths profile, so I've got strengths in uh, enthusiasm, in courage. I've got strengths in initiative and flexibility. Uh, I've got. Um, my mind's gone blank. What else have I got? I've got um, critical thinking, creativity, and uh, the final one is persuasiveness. So those seven are, um, are are the strongest strengths that I possess. So they're the things that give me most energy. So if I use a real life example of, of how that can play out. So courage for me is about doing the things that are right to do. So it's about standing up for the things that are right to stand up for. It's about fairness it's about equality it's about making sure that you know if i see something that isn't right and that's that's across life actually not just at work so that that can go into overdrive in a meeting when i think somebody is not acting in a fair and reasonable manner if i'm excited by the the the, the topic so if we're talking about a new product for instance in, in the strengthscope portfolio my creativity will be off the charts because I'm really excited about new, exciting, funky stuff. Enthusiasm couples up with that. So actually for me, those two, creativity and enthusiasm, are real watchouts for me in terms of overdrive. What does that look like? It means I get really carried away with how exciting this is going to be for the future. I can see this amazing thing in front of me and it's like, yes, this is going to be the future. This is going to be awesome. And actually what that means is that you lose focus on the objectivity or you lose focus on what's the actual outcome we're working for here so we're trying to deliver a new product to do x you know what we can make it as funky as you like but actually is it meeting the project brief and that's where again having the awareness of your strengths so i can then counter that and, th and this is where overdrive 
is is really powerful. So understanding where you're likely to drop into an overdrive situation means I can then consciously focus on dialing up leading, which is a bubbling understrength. It's not one of my significant seven. It's not one of my top, but it's one of the next group. So I can focus on saying, okay, I'm going to stay focused on leading, which means that I'm going to stay really focused on what the outcome is that we're trying to achieve. I'm going to stay focused on the objective of the meeting. So if the objective is to create a project scope for this new product, that's the outcome that I'm going to stay focused on. And by doing that means it will keep those other strengths of enthusiasm and creativity under control. You can also call it out with others. So the other thing that you can do is is strength spot. So strength spotting is a really powerful tool to use with your team. And it's part of the reason why you call out at the beginning of a meeting, what are you bringing to the meeting? You can also take that a stage further. So if there are if there are likely to be performance risks that you're bringing to the meeting, call it out. And, and again, if it's a really important meeting, you know, we'll create a team wheel. So, so our, our, our strength profile is built on a wheel um, with the 24 strengths going around it with the bars that come out. So we'll create a team wheel for the group of people that are together to identify where the the, the, the significant strengths, the team strengths are, the clear strengths for that group, and also where there's performance risks, so where there's no strength. And we'll call that out at the beginning of the meeting as well. So if we've got six people in the room, and, and we we are blessed in our team with lots of creativity, we've got some amazing creative people that want to just create these amazing learning experiences for people. What that means is we get really excited about all this new funky stuff that we can do, and we have to then come back to all right let's just dial that one back and, and actually if you're aware of it up front you can then tackle it at the very beginning of the meeting by calling out and saying to people guys big watch out here we've got 10 people with creativity in the room this is going to go into overdrive at points so let's just be aware of it let's call it out when it happens who's bringing a strength that can help us counteract that and that's where people can then say well i'll bring leading i'll bring critical thinking whatever it might be and also just being aware of it yourself to call it out in the meeting so if you see it happening call it out live hey guys we're getting a bit carried away here let's just let's just pause for a moment and regroup um so yeah for, for me the other one i guess that i'm i'm blessed with is flexibility um, so I love new stuff. I love change. Um, I'm never happier than when I'm I'm being disrupted or disturbed. So it, 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 the worst thing for me would be sitting in a room all day on my own, just working. That's a horrific day for me because there's no change. There's nothing different. There's no nothing new in there. I like new. I like new ideas. I, I actually look forward to people saying, oh, have you got a minute? I've got a question. Yeah, great. Bring it on. You know, I can very quickly turn. So we we had, you know, we had had a couple of staff members move on in the business for their own development. Um, I move on quite quickly to a place of opportunity because the flexibility strength allows me to see what's coming, what's the future. Um, but that can also, you know, be a bit of a challenge around. I look for change. Whereas for some people change, and it, it comes back to that point earlier on, if you don't engage people, if you don't empower them, if you don't have them clearly communicated and you're not playing to people's strengths, change for a lot of people is really scary. And if you've got a flexibility strength, you don't. I, I don't see change as scary. I see it as really interesting and exciting and fun. A lot of people don't see it that way. So I, again, you have to be conscious. That's a good example of probably where overdrive can be misusing a strength so I can I can use my flexibility in a way that disables other people.
Absolutely. And I love that. So I, I would completely agree with you there. So I love, you know, ch- nothing is more interesting to me than being in the middle of change. It's, yeah. it's one of the fun bits of what I do. Um, and, but yeah, it's a really good shout, isn't it? That, you know, you can overuse that strength and take that forward. So I'm very aware of time because I've got a feeling that you and I could talk about this for absolutely hours. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I I am, I'm hoping, and I've certainly learned a lot from today and I'm hoping our audience have, but if there's like, you know, your top tips for those that are going away and taking this on board and going actually, okay, so I want to see, and I want to try and start to use this with my team. What are your sort of your key takeaways for people listening to this podcast? So um, the first one is going to be a shameless link. Go to strengthscope.com. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is there's over 100 blogs on there that are all about how to apply strengths in different scenarios and circumstances in life. So they're all free resources. You can go on there and, and, and look at those. Our, our, um, our founder, Paul, uh, does a series of uh, podcasts as well. Uh, which again are, are linked to those blogs that are all about how you apply strengths in day-to-day life. So there's some amazing tips and tools in there about actually what can I do to bring strengths to life in my daily work. The second thing is awareness, and you, you mentioned this earlier on, but be aware of what people's strengths are. Be aware of the things that they bring that energize them. Of course, I'm going to say you know, the best way of gaining awareness is to complete a strengths assessment. And there are others on the market. You know, we're, we're one of many. We're the only one that has British Psychological Society uh, accreditation. But hey, you know, I'll just... Uh, <laughs> you know, just throw um, that in there. A bit of a plan. In fairness, there's lots of strengths assessments out there. Uh, so, so, you know, get awareness of your strengths. But actually, you can start to build that awareness yourself by talking to your team about when are they, when are they at their best? You know, when are they in flow? What are the what are the experiences they have? So when they've been at their best, when they felt at their absolute best, what have they been doing? What sort of jobs have they been doing? What sort of tasks have they been doing? And and that will start to give you some clues to what strengths that person will hold. You know, if somebody turns around and says, I'm I'm absolutely at my best, I'm in the zone when I'm checking those figures for the board, the likelihood is there's a detail orientation strength in there. That's the likelihood. Um, so, so you know, be be able to start to spot strengths in other people through what they're doing and what they're saying, and listen out for those keywords. And I guess, you know, the 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 final thing is to then talk to people in a way that engages them with the things that energize them. So e- even if you don't want to do an assessment, what what energizes you, and how can you do more of it? And, you know, that may be about doing a a role that's not the role you're currently in because you just find it draining. That doesn't mean that person can't do something else. It doesn't mean that they're no good to the business. It means that they're probably in a role that's not playing to their strengths. So how can you look at using that person in a way that's going to help them be more energized and ultimately go back to those numbers going to give you more performance and going to give you more productivity from that person because they want to come to work they're engaged by what they're doing absolutely and i love that three amazing points for people to take away and think of and for those that are interested we will put the link to um to the the podcast and also the blogs into the show notes so please do jump on there and have a look um i must admit i will be doing that straight after we finish now so thank you so much david it's been amazing to have you on the show thank you for sharing all your knowledge it's been really great to uh to, to take part so yeah really nice to be part of it